Never heard of the Millennium Fault? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. listeners we have a very exciting episode for you as you can tell i'm not alone um i'm your host cheyenne and i'm joined by co-host grace but also our special guest soraya wilson say hi grace hello say hi soraya hey everyone uh i'm very excited uh for you guys and for us because soraya has written this really awesome book that we're going to talk about today but we do have some very important questions for you before we get started soraya so our listeners can get to know you um when and how did you get into Star Wars? This is one of those things, there is no answer because my dad was obsessed. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up with this. And like, I remember going to see um, Return of the Jedi in theaters when I was eight years old. It's like one of my first movie memories. And I, I don't remember there ever being a time when I didn't know Darth Vader was Luke's father. You know, mm-hmm. like I just, that just was knowledge. Like I was never yeah. shocked by it. So yeah, I grew up with that. Um, the story I always tell is a couple years ago, like I stopped by my dad's house and, you know, um, Empire Strikes Back was on TBS. And I'm like, why are you watching this? Like you have this in five different formats. You don't need to be watching it on cable. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's on. He, I mean, he just loves it that much. Like he, he made up his own song to the Star Wars thing that I now sing in my head whenever it's on. <laughs> um, but he, he loved it. And he, he bought all the, you know, the universe books and I grew up reading those. And mm-hmm. so, like, and I, that's why when I watched, like, the sequels, I was convinced they were going to make Kylo Ren and Rey brother and sister. I'm like, they're Jason and Jamie. You know, like, that's, right. that's, that's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. so I was convinced they were going to be the twins, and that's why he did this connection to Han, and, that, you know, so I was mm. just kind of waiting for that. Mm. But I'm so glad that they worked. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I've just always been a Star Wars fan. It's always been part of my life, and just continues to be even now. That's awesome. Uh, same here. Um, mine was also from my dad. He just kind of sat me in front of a TV one day when it was on, and I was like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm stuck with it forever. Um, yeah, so same. What? my mom. Yeah. And, yeah, now my mm-hmm. mom is just, like, committed to it as well. I kind of dragged her into coming to conventions with me. Um, and now she's like, oh, should I do this cosplay? And I'm like, yeah, mom, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how does... You might have kind of already answered this in that answer, but um, how does Star Wars keep you coming back? Are there, like, new things or interesting things, or, like you said, it's just a part of your life? Yeah, like, they'll put Star Wars on it, and I'm going to go watch it. You know, like, I'll be mad, I'll get angry about stuff, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll complain about it, but you put Star Wars on it, and I am going to watch it. And Absolutely. even, like, like The Mandalorian, it is really... I've got some kids who are super into it, and a couple kids are like, eh, Star mm-hmm. Wars. But we are all... Like, we're sitting on the couch together on Fridays to watch The Mandalorian together. Like, it's just kind of brought the whole family together. And so, yeah, you put, like I said, you put stars on it. I'm going to go consume it. I'm going to be part of it. And I'll pick and choose the stuff that I do and don't like, but mm-hmm. I'll love it. Yeah, at the end of the day. Me too. Yeah. I feel that. Um, all right. So, we have a couple of, like, sillier questions for you. This is more of, like, your favorites. So, who is your favorite character from each trilogy, if you have okay. one? Like, this is so hard. Like, you told me you're going to ask me this question, and I've literally been thinking about it for days. Yeah. Okay, sequel trilogy is easy. Ben Solo. Like, yes. Ray's a close second, but Ben Solo is my favorite. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the prequels, I'm like, I'm going to have to go with Obi-Wan. Like, I really love Qui-Gon Jinn, you know, but I'm like, I love Obi-Wan throughout the whole arc, so I thought he's probably my favorite. But you get me back to the originals, and I'm like, I don't even know who to pick. I love everybody. I, so I was going back and forth, and I'm like, if you force me, you have to pick one. Probably Princess Leia. Okay. But, yeah. you know, I would be equal with everyone. Mm-hmm. I could pick a case for any of them. I love all of them that much. So, yeah. yeah, that's a hard question. It is. Whenever I wrote it, because sometimes I, like, swap out questions for um, this, like, Star Wars-based interview, and I was thinking about it, too, and I was like, I don't know if I could pick. Like, for me, it's okay. my phone off. That's okay. I literally just turned my computer off because I, I got it even. right now. That's okay. Um, for me, it, it was super easy for a sequel trilogy as well. Ben Solo was also my favorite from the sequel trilogy. Um... But for the other two, it's like, I don't know. The prequels, I really loved. I know who your favorite prequels. The sequels was the hardest for me. Because, like, the original trilogy, Leia's my favorite. So the prequels, as our Castle Run Weekly uh, listeners know, Padme is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But with the sequels, it's like, I love so much about these characters. Like, I love... Finn for his determination. I love Rey for the way that she just doesn't give up in mm. situations. I love Poe because his whole character is just I love his character. Or like just I just I love all of them. But honestly probably with the sequels I would have to go with Poe. Just because yeah. like I relate to him the most to be completely honest. Like I wouldn't have known I'm that. able to connect with Yeah. That's He's, awesome. We're both chaotic so <laughs> I feel that. That's fair. Okay, Soraya, so if you had to pick your favorite movie, I know that this is also not an easy question, and it probably changes. Mine changes all the time. But right now, what's your favorite movie? In this moment, Last Jedi. Yeah? Awesome. Yeah. I do love that one. It's good. What's your favorite thing about it, Do you have, if you have one? It's the Ray and Ben enemies to lovers romance. Yes. I, I, I am a romance writer. I want romance in my Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, and... But like George Lucas got that, you know, that's why we see it in the prequels, in the originals. And I'm like, yay, it came back, you know, and yeah. some people fighting it. And like, it's kind of like you're a weird person to be like Raylo. I'm like, but they wrote that. It's all there. It's a big yeah. romance. It's my favorite. So that's probably why I, I picked that one. Yeah. And you it's just feel brilliant it. writing and beautiful cinematography. And it is the cinematography. Chef's yeah. so good. It's gorgeous. The I throne room scene where they're fighting all the guards. Yeah. Like, Yes, please. That's yes. so amazing. Every time. I love it's that awesome. scene so much. I really but love I... Uh, the Holdo maneuver. I I know that it wasn't like always received well, and I know I thought it was really funny when movie theaters started having to put the signs up, like, hey, this movie is quiet for like 0.2 seconds. It's not broken. It's fine. Um, that was really funny to me, but it is Are you serious? so cool. The sound effects. And like, I, as a like baby writer, I'm, I'm, thinking about the story that I want to tell and I'm like I gotta also start like getting my brain ready for all the things that I can add to it because something like that is amazing well and they tried to retcon in the last movie but I'm like this was brilliant what he did was brilliant I mean I, I, I talked to Ryan Johnson I don't know if you guys were aware of that but yeah I got to tell him that stuff so yeah cool. yeah I, I, we talked like an hour it was so awesome but I told him I'm like the throne room I'm watching and I'm like put this in my veins like I love everything that's happening in this scene yeah. and I thought having the the bond the force bond so brilliant when you're writing enemies to lovers because they cannot be in a room together without trying to kill each other 
Yeah. And I'm like, so he made a way for them to have to connect, for them to see and be intimate and have to, you know, rely on one another for their growth and their change. And it, I told him it was brilliant. I'm like, I'm seeing the theater going, this is so smart, Yeah. you know, to do this. So, yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. I have listened to Ryan talk about it a few times. Ryan, as if I know him. Um, <laughs> I listened to two different podcasts that he was on. One um, with one of his friends, and I can't remember his name. I'm losing my mind. Um, but he was talking about it in, in like a, like a casual sense, like it just comes to him. And I was like, this is incredible. I hope to goodness that my, my brain just starts to compute the way that he does. Cause it's amazing. Um, next favorite question, favorite lightsaber. If you have one. I, you know what, honestly, it's probably Kylo Ren's crossfire lightsaber. Yeah, I think that's awesome. my favorite. It's awesome. What color would your blade be if you had one? Okay. I... Would probably be yellow because I am like a huge scholar and nerd and into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I would love purple, and I would pick purple for the same reason that Samuel Jackson picked it, just because it looks cool. Yeah. But you know, not because you know, like dark and light, like Revan or whatever. But mm-hmm. like realistically, it would probably be yellow. I love that. I love that. I always say like I would want. I would. I always say red, even though I'm not really sure. Like obviously, I don't want to be a bad guy, but also I probably yeah. would be a bad guy for the aesthetic. <laughs> I'm always like, but if I, if like black was a color and it wasn't only the dark saber, I would pick a black blade because it's, uh, it's my favorite I'd, color and it's so unique. I'd probably go with white because yeah. like, especially because like Ahsoka is also like a huge favorite of mine and just the symbolism behind having the white blade, mm-hmm. the fact that she was able to like heal the crystals with the force and then they become white. That's just like a huge thing for me i love that so i feel like i would either have like a white saber or like a green one mm-hmm. perhaps i don't know yeah yeah i would say white or yellow for you just divide and get a good <laughs> i'm a historian too so yeah. i totally get the scholar vibe um if you could have any job in star wars what would it be i mean if i get to pick yeah it's princess right like Maybe princess of a planet, yes. you know, or queen. Queen would be better. Mm-hmm. But Hell realistically, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll probably end up being, like, you know, broom boy, a slave somewhere, cleaning something, you know? Like, the universe like we have grandiose ideas of what we want to be. Like, yeah, I'll be the star fighter pilot. No, you're probably going to be cleaning out horses' dolls. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that there was, I was listening to Black Series Rebels, um, and that is where I got that question from, because somebody one day said something about being, like, like what Finn was, being literally, like, a custodian. On yeah. a starship. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably what I would be. <laughs> Just how I... I would probably be a five-year keeper, but I would not be a five-year racer, you know? I literally am a horse keeper currently at my job, so... I'm like, that, I'd probably be an animal care in space. <laughs> I'd be Jocasta New, probably. True. Because so true. I'm an archivist. <laughs> um, last funsy question. If you could own any creature from the Star Wars universe, what would it be? The hard one, you know, I would have to choose Porg. Yeah. Um, it, I told Brian Dawson how much I love Porgs. He's like, I have an animatronic Porg, and like it was in a different room, and he's like, like you could see he was considering going and getting it, and I wanted to encourage him, but I'm like, no, we'll waste time doing that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love Porgs. How cute are they? Like, yeah, they're my favorite. I love them. I love the little scream that they do, and I wanted to get That's that cool. one for my car, the little suction cup one. Yeah. I still might do it, <laughs> but. Haven't yet. Um, Do it. <laughs> so Do before it. we jump into the 
uh, book information. Do you have any, like, Star Wars questions for me or Grace? You don't have to, but I figured I'd ask. You know, like, an hour from now, I'm going to have, like, all these Star Wars questions to ask you. <laughs> and that's fine. But, like, I swear, when people ask me this stuff, I kind of go, oh, mm-hmm. like, your brain doesn't work. Mm-hmm. No, I, I do the same thing. Right now. I do the same thing. I even when I like write down my stuff. I told you I took all these notes. Even when I write down my stuff, I'm like, I wrote that funny. How do I say that out loud? And it's like, just read it. Just read what you wrote. Um, so let's just dive right in. I guess. Can you okay. tell us about your celebrity encounter with Adam Driver that you base your book off of? Okay. Yeah. This is all Star Wars based. Like, yeah. The whole thing. So I watched Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated by the ending because mm-hmm. you know someone's a lifelong fan. I'm like, all three original characters sacrificed themselves for him. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to live. Mm-hmm. He's got a soulmate. He turned to the light. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm waiting for like a psych moment, you know. And like when I ran the, you know, the credits, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought, my cup this be over. Like I looked, like was there a mistake? What happened? Um, I thought, how could they end a 40 year saga with? His last Skywalker dying. Really like, sad that the ending of it? So I, I was really upset. And I'm like, I have to know if they filmed an alternate ending. Like, but there's, who are you going to ask? There's right. no one to ask, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just, I was really upset. Like, it's all I talked about for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, my family was kind of like, can you please stop talking about Star Wars? Like, we're, no. we love you, but oh my gosh. Because I was, I was really devastated by it. Like, I was so connected to, I mean, that, that last 10 minutes when Adam Driver becomes Ben Solo, like, I was... I remember seeing him going, he is a completely different person. Yeah. Like, he's so talented. He doesn't even say anything. Yep. And he's, I was blown away. So, mm-hmm. I, like I said, my romance heart, who would fall in love with him in Last Jedi, is waiting for this happy ending where they get to restore balance and they're the dyad and they're going to fix everything that's wrong with the Jedi. And it, so, I'm like, I want to ask someone if they found an alternate ending. Mm-hmm. And so, I've always enjoyed doing like charity auctions. Like, I'm at a point in my life where I can do that. And I've had really neat experiences. You know, I like a couple of years ago, I got to go out to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and be on set for a day. Oh, awesome. And that was amazing. Um, I got to talk to Matt Lanter, who does the voice of oh, Anakin Skywalker yeah. in Matt Lanter's cool. He was really fun. He told me a, lot, like, a story about how he proposed to his wife. And it was like the cutest story ever. Like, oh, so gosh. adorable. But, That's you know, cute. so I've had these experiences. And so the day that I'm like, I remember saying out loud, I need to talk to someone about this. The next day, there was an option to meet Adam Driver at the SAG Awards. And so I'm like, hello, universe. I got the sign. I'm yeah. going to be Adam Driver. Wow. And like knowing what I know about him now, I would never have done this. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know anything about the man. And I posted on Twitter, hey, I'm going to be Adam Driver. And there's some fans who are like, okay, he's really kind of socially awkward. He hates red carpets. You know, so just keep that in mind. You're going to have to run the conversation. I'm like, cool. I can do that. That's fine. Right. So we got out there. I took my 12-year-old daughter with me. And it was this just, I'm a huge fangirl. Like, I love pop culture. And people are like, why would you want to do that? I'm like, because it was the best. I had so much fun. Yes. So I get out there and like I'm meeting Henry Winkler comes over. It's told my daughter she's beautiful and sends an autograph for her. And I'm like dying, like the fawns, you know? Yeah. And Carrie Elwes from Princess Bride is, I'm, you know, but I can talk to everyone. Like, I'm like, hi, great to meet you. You know, I'm such a big fan. You know, good luck tonight. Uh, I love your dress. You know, Helena Bonham Carter comes over and sends oh. an autograph and asks how to spell my name. Okay. You know, it just it's incredible. And so, you know, you're waiting for that moment when Adam Driver comes over. He's one of the last people there. And you can't miss him on the carpet because he's, like, right. literally ahead above everybody else. Mm-hmm. And he's walking towards us. And he is just this big, imposing man. And my brain turned off. I cannot tell you what happened to me in that moment other than it just went blank. Mm-hmm. And I stood there like, oh, my gosh. 
I, I can't talk. He comes over and he's like, thank you so much for, you know, donating because it was for his charity that he was doing it. Right. Thank you so much for donating. It's so nice to meet you. He shakes our hands. And, you know, he's like, he's like, so where are you from? And I sat there and I thought, why does Adam Driver care where I'm from? Like, yeah. that was what happened in my head. Yeah. And of course he's trying to make small talk and he's trying to have a conversation with me. And I am just so freaked out that I can't even do it. And he has to ask me the question again. Oh no. And I tell him like, from Utah, you know, you know, he asks where the city I'm from is at. And I'm trying to describe it to him. Like how, doesn't that have to do with landmarks? How can I tell him, you know? But the whole thing was just me not being able to talk. And this poor man who doesn't want to have to make conversation had to carry the entire conversation by uh, himself. Yeah. So I didn't get to ask him my questions. That It was not an environment that I could have asked him anyways. I mean, I had no idea what I was, you're standing in bleachers above the red carpet. Right. So the celebrities are like down below you. Yeah. And everybody around you is screaming. I mean, trying to get the attention of whoever, you know, is walking by. Yeah. It's very, very loud. So it's very difficult to really even talk. And like, there was a point where he signed my daughter this autograph, and it's this huge, long autograph. And he reads to her what it says. But at the moment, because it was so loud, I thought he was saying goodbye. Like, I'm done with you now. Be like, this is over. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, thanks for coming out. And so I'm like, oh, I guess this is not. I'm like, well, can we get pictures? He's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And he goes over and his publicist assistant took pictures for us. And he's like, shakes our hands. He's like, nice to meet you. And he walks away. And as he walked away, I thought, this is a book where a girl meets her favorite celebrity, can't talk, can't process her brain. And that was the entire idea, and that's where wow. it came from. Um, and I, I enjoyed him, like, just, I think as a human being, he's fascinating, where he was a Marine, and now he's this artist. I think that juxtaposition mm-hmm. is fascinating as a character. Mm-hmm. So my heroes like him, yes. you know. Um, but, you know, people are like, I, I don't actually know anything about Adam Driver. Like, I know nothing about him personally. We had no yeah. kind of private conversation or connection at all. It was yeah. just very much, it was a minute and a half long. It's like on my Instagram, you can go watch the video. You know, my daughter filmed it because she's 12. They film everything. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was really, really fun. And from that, I started kind of writing this book and, and imagining just kind of a similar hero who was an actor and, yeah, and a girl who she's a dog groomer and meets him. And, you know, their first meeting does not go well, that he's kind of arrogant and thinks she's like a stalker and mm-hmm. she's just annoyed, even though she's a huge fan. And so she tells him, I don't even know who you are. You know, and of course that kind of intrigues him because that doesn't happen very much to someone like him, you know, where he's this big celebrity. And so he makes him kind of want to find out more about her and he pursues her a little bit. And so, yeah, the Juliet has a secret where, because I've actually written a couple of celebrities falling in love with regular people books before. Mm-hmm. And so I thought you have to kind of be careful to not keep treading the same ground. Right. So, you know, as an author, I was like, what can I do that will keep them apart. Mm-hmm. They'll make it so she doesn't, of course, just instantly start dating him, because of course you would, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I, the thing is she has a, a kissing fear. She has a, has a natural fear of kissing. It's a real thing. It's, mm-hmm. She has anxiety attacks when she even thinks about it or tries to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that would be kind of interesting. And, you know, how does a celebrity deal with a girl who he can't even kiss, you know? So right. it was really fun to write, but that's, that's kind of where that came from. That is awesome. Grace, did you have something? I did. Um, you mentioned like not knowing a ton about Adam Driver and that kind of stuff before you met him. Um, did you happen to see the TED talk he gave, like about being an, a Marine and then turning like to an actor and kind of like turning to acting? I watched it after when I decided to write yeah. a book, just so I could have kind of more information and more knowledge about who he is. Like the TED talk's phenomenal. He is such a great speaker. Yeah. It was very funny. It's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of, I, I did watch that and 
read some interviews and some things where he was talking and they said took some things from him, but you know, like I said, Noah's not him. You know, it's it's yeah. Noah's very much a distinct character to me who's right. But I don't actually know anything about him, but he could be snowing all of us. And he had that interview with Carrie Fisher where she told him, Pretend like you're down to earth, people love that stuff. <laughs> and so he's, I'm like, Well, we know he's just pretending he's down to earth and we're all just being suckered in by it, you know. Right. Who knows? <laughs> right. That is awesome. That is a very cool, I know it seems disorienting now or what it was then, but it is such an awesome experience that you had. Like, I I kind of had not the same thing, definitely, but I, when I went and met Sam, where I have only ever met celebrities through the photo ops um, right. at conventions. So I met Sam I met Whitworth. Sam on accident. Yeah, yeah, and I met Jonas um, and Ray Park. Ray Park, super chill. I met him while I was working one day and then had a photo op with him after. And so it was very, like, fun and all of that. And then Jonas, also very disorientingly tall. Um, so I just went in and got the picture and left. And then Sam, I, like, embarrassed myself in front of. I was just like, oh, I've been following you since you were being human. And he's like, oh, my God, thanks. And I was like, is that weird? So... I'm, like, left traumatized, so I get that. <laughs> like, my brain was working, and then I walked in, and then it was not. Um, and I also identify with Juliet in that way. Um, I, just right off the bat, your book has been so relatable, and I feel like a lot of people are going to get that, because I am going to pass it on to my roommates after I'm done. Um, and I know my other one other roommate who kind of gets the celebrity thing will also be like, yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. is my, my sister is going to love this book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm passing it on to her afterward. And <laughs> she's big into, like, romances and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. It's going to be well, awesome. Thank you. Like, that's so nice. But, yeah, my, my celebrity things have been the charity auctions. And that's how I met Daisy and Ryan was oh, they wow. did charity auctions. Mm -hmm. And with Daisy, I saw her. Cause there's a site, charitybuzz.com. They do I mean, all kinds of stuff, like professional things and athletics and buying certain kinds of wine or taking vacations. Mm -hmm. So mine's always the celebrity entertainment stuff. That's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and Daisy put up, they did one for Daisy. And I'm like, I'm going to win that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to ask her my reload questions. I didn't get to ask Adam Driver. And so I, I, I bid on that one. And I was I was babysitting that auction. Like, I was mm -hmm. going to win it, yeah. you know, and I did. Nice. At the same time, Ryan Johnson comes up, and I'm like, what are the odds of this? Like, <laughs> no, for a totally different charity, totally different thing. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bid on that, you know, but I didn't really watch it, but I, I won. And I was so, so glad that I won. Like, that was, like, one of the best conversations I think I've, I've ever had in my entire life. It yeah. was phenomenal and amazing, and he's incredible. Um, but, yeah, and so one of the things in the seat filler, if you've read it, there's this thing where they're talking about Juliet and Noah are talking about their favorite things. And mm -hmm. she, yeah, so she's a favorite director. And she's like, oh, Ryan Johnson, I love that guy. You know, especially Knives that. Out. So I read it to Ryan Johnson when I talked to him. And he was so flattered and laughed. And he just thought it was so cute. He's like, thank you so much. And what's funny is my editor, one of my editors told me to take it out. She's like, that's like a niche thing that no one's going to get it. You know, and I just, I think, I feel like it detracts. And I'm like, I don't I really love it. I love Ryan Johnson. I want to leave it in. Mm -hmm. And so I left it in. And so I had no idea a year ago before I ever talked to him right. that that was ever going to happen. So it was so much fun to get to tell him, hey, you're in my book. You know, yeah. um, he, he, he seemed to really enjoy that. So That's awesome. He seems like the kind of guy that would. The only time that I had ever, um, that I've ever encountered him, it was my first Star Wars celebration. I went on a whim. It was here in Orlando. And he, it was the same one where I guess he was also, like, working the crowd. Mm -hmm. Literally right after I left the line. And I was like, oh, oh 
I always do that. Miss and buy hair. Um, I do have a question for you about the book, and okay. I hope I it's not a spoiler, and if it is, I will take it out. But um, okay. is the Duel of the Fae also a Star Wars reference? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's Duel of the Fae's, you know, Colin Trevorrow, is that right? Yes. Yeah. I'd have to think about it. But <laughs> I, I wanted it to be a Star Wars reference mm-hmm. that Star Wars fans would get. But like nobody else would even see it. Yeah. They would just read past it, and it would just because I'm I'm making a phase series where it's like Mallet Shadowfire is Kylo Ren, and mm-hmm. you know all the Marine Ray. Like I, yeah. that very much is part of it. But I'm making the fairies, and it's different, um, so I don't get in trouble by Star Wars Lucasfilm. Right. So yeah. Um. But I I feel like with writing this book that I I put so many like Raylo and Star Wars things in there for people who are fans that mm-hmm. if you're a fan you're gonna you're gonna pick up on it. you're gonna see yeah. this thing with that a Star Wars reference yeah. yeah. Those Easter eggs are in there, and so, but, but fortunately, if you're not, mm-hmm. you're just gonna read it, and it's not gonna, you're not gonna register. Yeah. You're just gonna keep going, and so it can be read, I feel like, by anyone. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, Easter eggs are like my favorite aspect of things. I'm always everything. like, whenever we're talking about like books, or well, we discuss the movies, we discuss um, the Clone Wars, that kind of stuff. I'm always looking for like the really small details and being like, oh, this person mentioned this thing and like this was in this place, like and things like that. So I really do appreciate that you snuck that kind of stuff into the book. Yeah, I did. It was awesome. Um, So I know that you wanted to mention about um, necessity is the mother of invention. So is there anything else from your life that has influenced the book? Um my life I the thing with being a writer is you just kind of take stuff from all over you know like one of the things is Juliet has a favorite pair of pink converse that she wears to the award show and it's kind of something her and Noah talk about in the, you know, the first interaction mm-hmm. my 12 year old daughter wore her pink converse to the side awards that's awesome and that's, that's why I picked it you yeah. know and because you're looking for things that are real and things that you can bring to characters that are real life that other people will appreciate or that they'll relate to because it would be so easy to make your characters really flat and, you know, just kind of stereotypical. And it, it's difficult to struggle with that and find things from your own life that you can, you know, you can bring in there. And for me, obviously, Star Wars is a huge part of it. And so much of it is, you know, my despair over Ben Solo dying is a big part of, you know, Malik Shadowfire dying. And that gets addressed a lot in the book, yeah. you know, how upset the characters are about it. Um, but yeah, getting to kind of take your real life and, and use it, and I, I think it makes it better. And that's one of the reasons why you know, people tell you all the time that to be a writer, you have to sit down and write every day, and you have to have this schedule, and you have to do this. And I say that's bullcrap. That part of being a writer is experiencing life. It's getting out there and doing these things that you enjoy, that feed your soul, and that you can use going forward. You know that you can have these stories, and you know have this stuff in there that can other people can enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. That's understandable. I am going on a road trip soon, and um, I'm basing my... I just finished a class where I'm writing for TV, and we had to write a TV show, and they were like, try to make it an original idea. And I was like, oh, I'll write about girls going on a road trip. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But then I was like, how extreme can I make all of the experiences that I'm probably going to have, and then just take it down a whole other road where it can just be fake. (laughs) And that, I was like, we'll see. And then when I go on this road trip, hopefully more things will happen that I can write about. Um, okay, so the necessity is the mother of invention. This is how family emergency led to um, your career as a romance novelist. So I would love to hear more yeah. about that. Um, my oldest son was diagnosed with autism when he was three years old. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we were a young married couple. I was pregnant with our second child. And back then, not a lot was known, you know, and insurance wouldn't pay for anything. And someone came to us and they said, you know, you have to have this thing called applied behavioral analysis or ABA. And it cost $10,000. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it might as well have been $10 million. Like, there was no way that we could have come up with $10,000. And this is before GoFundMe or, you know, there's, there was nowhere for us to go mm-hmm. to try and get help. And so I kind of was like thinking about it and praying about it. And what do I do? And kind of like the answer that I got was write a book. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. I'm not gonna, you know, I, I had never grown up wanting to be a writer. I, it was not on my radar. It was not like part of a life plan at all. And so I kind of just forgot about it. And then one of the things we did, we were doing some fundraisers trying to raise money for him. And one of the things we did was at my local church, everybody gave us stuff for a garage sale. And we had a big garage sale in the parking lot and so I sent out press releases hoping local papers would cover it and we'd get more people to come out and raise more money. And one of the reporters contacted me and said, you know, can I come interview you? And I'm like, yeah, that would be great. And they came to the house and I opened the door and she's like, okay, before I come inside, I have to ask you, are you a writer? And I was like, that is a really weird, why would you say that? And she's like, well, your press release was so well written. I just assumed that you were a writer. And it was kind of like, all right, universe, let's proceed. Let's see. Got it. I'm going to write. And, and that's really why I started writing. Wow. That is incredible. I love that. Um, I just, I feel like when, maybe this is just like my current life. I feel like when the universe tells you something, it like takes a minute just yeah. for it to like settle. You know, yeah. I also never expected to be going to school for writing. I, um, I work at Disney and um, they have a program called Disney Aspire where they will pay for you to go to school. Um, they have a very select amount of programs and like types of programs and writing happened to be one of them. And I was like, Oh, I'll like go into entertainment management because I love the entertainment side of things. I love stage entertainment, movie, TV shows, any of the above. Um, and if I can get this and get into entertainment here, I can keep moving around and do whatever. And I saw the creative writing and I was like, well, that's cool. Like I'll keep that on the back burner. And then I sob watching movies and I'm like, why do movies speak so loudly to me? I should explore that. And so I started to, like, do some, like, self-reflection. So I feel like when the universe listens, or when the universe tells you something, you kind of listen at some point. Um, yeah, exactly. So, Grace, before I move into my book questions, do you have any book questions? I do. All right, bring them on. Right. So, I'm trying to find those. Um... <laughs> What sort of, like, influences kind of inspire your writing? So, like, from other authors or genres, are there specific types of things that you always tend to pull from, or does it, like, depend on what you're writing? Because I know that you did say you do favor, like, romance books, but um, I just wasn't sure if there's, like, other kind of aspects you tend to pull from. I... I don't know that I do pull from anybody because what I'm writing is what I want to read and I felt like I couldn't really find. And so I'm like, I have this very kind of distinct romantic comedy thing that I enjoy. And it's not just there, of course, there are other authors who like it, like Christina Warren, you know, is like that or Sophie Kinsella. Um, But for me, it's like, I like this and I want to write this. And I actually, with my publishing journey, what had happened was I, I got published with a small regional publisher at first and it was not a great experience 
And I kind of stopped writing for a while. I had two more kids. I stopped writing. And then there was the big indie movement that happened where you could publish books yourself. And it's like, again, that was all I talked about for like two weeks. Oh my gosh, like this is amazing. You don't have to write to what someone wants. You can write whatever you want. And so I did. I wrote a book that I, I think was a good little book. And, you know, all the indie guys were like, if you write a good book, the cranes that arise at the top, people will find you. Well, nobody was finding me. You know, I sold seven copies like in a month. Like that was a good month. And so I thought there has to be a way to get noticed. This is before you could do like Facebook ads or anything like that. So you were really kind of on your own. And Amazon, I thought that's who you want to be in partnership with is Amazon. Like who pushes books better than Amazon? But to get in with a romance house Motley, you have to have an agent. I didn't have an agent. I hadn't really pursued that. So I wasn't sure what to do. So I I was going to do this one thing where I was going to publish a bunch of books at once. I wrote wrote the first book. It's called World Date. And it's about a girl who goes to this fictional country and meets the crown prince of the nation. I, I love that little book. But I wrote it, and the date I was finished, Amazon announced a contest called Kindle Scout. And it's kind of like American Idol, but for books. That's awesome. And again, that felt very much like a universe sign of the day I finish this book, that you know comes out, and I'm like, I'm going to enter that. And it's, it, it sounds really conceited. I don't mean to sound this way, but I knew I was going to win. Yeah. Like, it was just this feeling I had. Yeah. Like, I'm going to win this. And I thought it's important to enter at the beginning because, you know, who's the first winner of American Idol? You can tell me who that is. You know, we know it's Kelly Clarkson, but I said, who wins season 16? You'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, like on the ground floor. Like, that's the great place in a contest like that. So I did. I won. And the woman who ran it, she contacted me, and she's like, you know, why did you enter? And I said, well, I really want to work with your romance house. That's kind of my goal, my dream someday. And she's like, well, that's cool. And kind of talked to me. And a couple weeks later, the woman that I now know is the editorial director of Motley Publishing, Romance. She calls me and she's like, so I want to talk to you. And so I thought it was just a foot in the door. I'm doing a nice thing for a colleague, you know. And at the end of the conversation, she's like, well, I want to offer you a two-book contract. And I was dumbfounded, like totally, like this doesn't happen. Like you're in publishing at all. You know, this kind of stuff does not happen. And I'm like, okay. So I've been with them for five years now. And from them, I got my agent, Sarah Younger, who I love. Um, and we're hoping to expand more from other publishers because Amazon's done phenomenal for me. I had my book Roommate came out last year. And in September, it was the most read book on Amazon's website. Wow. That's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty big that's honor. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've done really well in that space. Thank you. But I'm kind of hoping to expand and get some different markets out there. But, yeah. you know, that's. So for me, like my very long answer to you, what am I inspired by? I think I'm inspired by everything, but I really am focused on this is my voice. This is what I am good at. This is what I enjoy reading, and I enjoy writing it. And you people are always like, why don't you write this? I'm like, well, I have to like what I'm writing too. Because if I don't like it, you as a reader are going to know. You're not going to like it either. You know, you're going to. It's just not going to appeal to you. So, um, yeah, I think you have to like what you're doing, and I think you look for inspiration everywhere. I mean, you want to be the first you. You don't want to be a knockoff of somebody else or you're, you're like this author. No, you're the first you. So that would be, you know, I think you're looking for is you have to find your voice. You have to find that thing that makes you, you. And that's not oopy. You know, I started off writing historical fiction and I love it, Ooh, but it's right not, on my alley. yeah, it's not my, I'm not best served there. I think I do okay with it, you know, but I'm much better in this space. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. I love that. Um, I really love the way that you built the relationship of these characters. I only made it, like, halfway through the book. Um, so I'm probably gonna finish the other half in the next two days, though. (laughs) It's very good. Um, I, 
No, I said this before, like, it's relatable. I felt everything that Juliet was feeling as you were describing it. Um, so I'm planning on going out and getting roommate. Um, but for anybody that has read your other books or plans on it after they read the seat filler, how is this book going to be different or how is this book different from your other ones? It's not, it's more Soraya Wilson. I mean, you're going to be, I, it's fun. It's flirtatious. I think you're going to laugh. You're going to swoon. You're going to, you know, get involved with it. Um, I don't know. I just, I have write regular books about regular people falling in love, but there's just something about the whole celebrity that feels very like Cinderella-esque, I guess. Yeah. And so we don't really write, I mean, people just really write princes. I write, I've written princes or, you know, billionaires are kind of current social environment. I don't know that billionaires are the best route to go down. You know, there's some political <laughs> thing kind of caught up in there, but you can write a celebrity and it's like, that feels very realistic. Like I wrote a book called Starstruck and it's about a celebrity who falls in love with a girl on Twitter. They make a cameo in oh, the seat builder. It's a couple she meets. Um, but it's a real life story. There's an actor, Jake T. Austin, who there was a fan on Twitter who's like, I'm going to marry Jake. I, I love you. Oh my God, he's a fan. Yeah. And they met in person. And whatever happened in that five minute meet and greet, they dated for like four years. They yeah. fell in love. And so I'm like, I'm going to make that into a book. That's awesome. You yeah. know, because what if way with social media meet on so I think because of social media we feel a lot more like celebrities are accessible that mm-hmm. you can meet someone you could get their attention they could you know they could pick you out of the crowd you're the girl they're interested so uh yeah I think that's something that people enjoy and I do keep kind of coming back with that and I'm like I don't want to only write that I'm trying <laughs> to write other stuff too but I, I kind of feel like I do keep coming back to it for that reason I love a Cinderella story yeah I mean in the world of social media everybody wants to feel like it's it's, like, relevant and important, and there's no better way to do that than romance. Like, yeah. people will cling to that. I'm clinging to that. <laughs> I, like, this being at home, like, I go to work, I come home, and I'm like, oh, I gotta update the Castle Run Weekly socials, or I gotta update mine. I'm a photographer, so I post to that page. So it's just, like, keeping track of all that, and there's, like, streamers that I follow. I'm like, oh, when are they on next? So it's just, it's part of your life at a certain point, yeah. and, um... I definitely think that that's something to grasp. Grace, do you have another one? I do. Sorry. No, I keep trying to pull this up. It's closing on me. It's okay. So how... This is phrased a little weird. Sorry. Um, How has your own happily ever after, so to speak, sort of influenced your romance novels or your, like, relationships with your characters? I will tell you, I, I had a difficult halfway ever after. My road was not easy. Like, I, I don't think I could write my story because I think people would be mad. You know, <laughs> it very much, I felt like when it was happening, I felt like I was in a telenovela when it was going on. That mm-hmm. my, my husband's parents did not want us to get married and did everything in their power to prevent that from happening. And that he was so, you know, he was their golden boy. He did whatever his mom and dad told him. And so it was very difficult, you know, can I say that like getting sued for libel? Um, it, was, it really was like living in a soap opera. That's the only way I can think of to describe it. There was just like these melodramatic, huge things happening all the time. We broke up like two or three times and it, not because we didn't love each other or not because we didn't see a future, but because his parents were so awful to him and he was living at home to go to college. And so it was this constant daily pressure where it was just so difficult for him, but he kept, I love you. I want to be with you. And you know, and it, it's, I wish I could tell you that got better. It didn't, you know, it's been, gosh, I've been married for 
maybe 25 years this year. And, you know, congratulations. Thank you. But, you know, that it didn't change. And like the movies, like when I watched that movie Monster Ma that had Jennifer Lopez and, um, oh gosh, I can see her face and I can think of her name. Yes. Me too. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. But they make it into the movie. And I, I watched that and it felt so false to me. Like, it felt so fake that I'm like, it's not going to be better. Like, all these problems you guys are having, they don't just go away because you decided they go away. This is going to keep happening the rest of your marriage. Like, it was very distressing to me to watch. Um, but I almost feel like because of that, I have a really strong belief in happily ever afters. I know it can happen. I know that you can overcome all obstacles and that you can slay all the dragons in your path and find your way to the end. And... I would say it very much influences that, that that's what I want to give people. Um, and I think life is so hard, especially now, especially everything that's going on. It, you know, I had a sister pass away when I was in high school. And my mom, of course, we were all devastated, but my mom especially so. And one of the things she did was she read romances and watched romantic comedies. And I remember asking her, why are you doing this? And she's like, because for two hours, I get to forget. For two hours, the pain is not so bad. And I love the idea, and it's one of the reasons why I write what I do. If I can do that for someone else, and I have gotten reviews that have brought me to tears, like a woman who said, I'm sitting with my mother in chemo, and your book oh. is what's getting me through this. Like, that's that's overwhelming. That's, like, the most incredible thing, and it's all I could ask for. Yeah. You know, people are like, why aren't you writing more serious books? And I'm like, I want to write a book that you just get to have fun for a few hours, and you get to fall in love, and you get to be happy, and, and I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. That is incredible. Your story is incredible. I Thank you. am amazed. Um, this is not as awesome of a question, but uh, as a new writer myself, I'm really fascinated with character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, this could be a fake Easter egg that I made up in my head, but having Noah's date be named Hannah and me in my head be thinking about Adam Driver, I was thinking of girls and Hannah from girls. And I was like, this doesn't sound like Hannah at all. Uh, like that Hannah, obviously. And then um, Shelby herself and Juliet being a dog groomer. So with your with your character creation, do these things just kind of, are they more like signs from the universe, things that come to you? Are they just things that you design in your head based on like, okay, well, I've created this really great celebrity based on this real person. What am I supposed to do with this other character? How do, how do you work through character creation? It is completely both. And I will yeah. tell you that one of the, best things that happens as a writer and you may have experienced this is when the words are flowing out of you like somebody else is writing them yeah you know i've actually gone back to my own work and read a passage and been like i wrote that like i don't remember writing that you know that's really good wow yeah <laughs> and it just feels almost like somebody else did it I, i'm very much it, it, when i read a book and don't ever write books the way i write books <laughs> i write books in a month it takes about wow. a month to write a novel it's like 90,000 words and I write it in a month. It's miserable. My family hates it. My husband, like, it makes him insane because it's all I do. I might get up and so I go to bed. I'm writing this book. And mm-hmm. that's, so that's really bad. And it's because I'm a procrastinator and my brain now knows I can write a book in a month. So even when I try to start early, it like doesn't work very well. Yeah. But the, the benefit to it, and what I tell people is I am living in that world. I am in that story, you know, however many hours a day I'm awake, I'm in that story. And so I think it, it allows that muse to come in even easier. Like it's easier to get those moments where it's just flowing and stuff's just happening. And sometimes I feel like stuff just happens and I don't even realize where it comes from. But like, you know, Noah's last name is Douglas. Mm-hmm. And I picked it, like I had a fan, I have a reader group and I had a, a reader suggest it because it sounds kind of like Kirk Douglas or, you know, mm-hmm. Douglas. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds very movie. It's Adam Driver's middle name. 
His middle name is Douglas. And so I picked it. I love it. And had no, like, I didn't know. And then as I'm writing it, I, I realized that. Like, Adam Douglas Rucker, and I'm like, oh, Christ, his middle name. <laughs> and I'm like, well, but I love this name now. Do I leave it? And so I wrote to my agent, my editor, and I'm like, what should we do? They're like, oh, just leave it. It's fine. Nice. So sometimes stuff like that just kind of happens where yeah. it's just like this weird kind of kismet thing happening. But I will tell you that for me, it's getting the scenario. And the scenario was girl meets favorite celebrity. Then they can kind of like Adam Driver because I think that's cool. Like he's an artist and a Marine. Um, and then it was, okay, so what kind of woman is going to interact with him? What, what's going to be, what's going to catch his attention? It's going to be that she's snarky and that she you know, doesn't really put up with his crap. Like maybe everybody else in his life does and gets all, you know, he's surrounded by yes men all the time. Um, what would appeal to him? And then for her, what appeals to her? Like, yeah, there's the celebrity thing, but at some point that's going to wear off. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not going to be this thing that continues and so it can become a hindrance, you know? And so then it's like, okay, well, how are they gonna meet after this? Um, I, and him coming after her, that actually happened to me. I met a soap star that I loved like 20 years ago, like a really long time ago. And I got to have dinner with him and one of my best friends. And I left my little purse and here's what happened. Okay, so my friend and I, we were obsessed with this couple. We're obsessed with him, like just huge fans. And so we're having dinner with him. So when he got up, we stole stuff from his thing. And like, I took a straw. And she took his fork just so that we would have these objects. Like he put his mouth on this. He held this. Yeah. And, and, stupid. But we did that. And so I put the straw in my little purse. Well, my purse was unzipped. And it was like coming out. He took my little handbag and he's bringing it to me. And I can see the straw sticking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, no. Like, thank you. So can we following her in the theater? That was based on a real life experience that happened to me. And, but she was, I mean, she's embarrassing there, but like, fortunately she hadn't stolen anything of his. Right. So you get to kind of get these little things and, and why would he want to, why would, what would he do to bring her into his life? I knew he was going to have a dog. And so I thought, well, I'll make her a dog groomer. And then she has a mobile dog grooming unit and she can I come to his this. home and then that's a chance for him to interact. And I initially, when I first thought of this book was I was going to have her take care of his dog. I was going to have her, he needed a, a babysitter to watch the dog because he's traveling or whatever. But then you kind of get in the whole like me too, you know, you don't want to have him in a position of power over her. Like that's mm-hmm. not okay in romance anymore. Right. So you want it to be on equal footing. And so I had to change that. I'm like, all right, for her, she'll go neighbor and she'll take care of her dog. And that way they're in close proximity. That's important in romance. You gotta get them, right. you know, near each other and having yeah. some time together. And so then when she finally tells him about her kissing phobia, it then becomes this very easy, like, you know, well, he already likes her. He, he'd want to help her with this, you know, right. it's, he cares about her as a person and, and yeah, I'd be happy to do this. And I mean, I had a little bit of that kind of phobia. Like mine was not as bad when mm-hmm. I was young, but I did have a little bit of that. And I had a friend in college who was like this, like, that's where I took this from. She had full blown, you know, and as a phobia goes, it's actually one of the easiest to conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually much harder to do things like tarantulas or something like that. But the kissing phobia is just finding someone who will kind of work through it with you and getting to kiss someone and then you kind of get over it. So I thought, you know, and so I, I did a lot of research and bringing that in, but yeah, I think with the drawing those characters, it's like for me too, because I write sweet, I don't ever put any sex in my books. Mm-hmm. I, it's much harder, <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to figure out, I have to keep them apart even more. Like I don't even have them kiss until usually like 50% through the book. Mm-hmm. So how do I keep them apart? What things are going to keep them from being together? You know, whatever that, that motivation is, you have to come up with that. You have to think about, you know, what's going to be the thing that keeps them from mm-hmm. being able to be together. And then it, that will change, you know, as your book goes on and your character and relationship progresses, it'll change. Right. 
That's fascinating. It's like the awesome. slow burn trope. Yeah. I am. A, I am. That is what I write. I write nothing but slow burn. Like you will always get that from me. There might be other tropes there too, but it will always be slow burn because that's what appeals to me. Like I will take Pride and Prejudice with Darcy lovingly looking at look at it. She Georgiana, like, or the recent one does the hand flex, you know, like that's yes, oh, yes. That, you know, and that's what I love about Star Wars too. Is I thought we get this slow burn in in this this sequels too, and I yeah. love that. Like today was just like people kiss and with in kissing within five minutes they're having sex and i'm like but women like this we like the build-up yeah. and the tension and the will they won't they and are they gonna touch hands and why do you think we still watch these period movies because we get that we yeah. get still these historical dramas and we get to have that again you know so i i like writing that way that's the stuff that appeals to me as a as a reader so as a writer it's what i write yeah that is I'm awesome. watching Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, right now, and I totally get that because yeah, like they don't get together until like, yeah, yeah, they don't get together till the train when she's about to leave. Yeah. And then like, how excited are you when they get together? Like, it's like the greatest thing ever. I, I feel like that's one of the, as you're writing TV shows, I feel like that's one of the biggest downfalls right now for TV for me as a as a viewer mm-hmm. is I feel like you guys are rushing romance, you're rushing relationships. And people will get invested. They will yeah. watch, and they will watch for seasons, waiting for people to fall in love because we're we get that invested in it. Yeah. So my my TV show definitely it. So first it like features. It's very like Broad City, but on the road. <laughs> Broad City okay. and like New Girl meet. Yeah. Um, and so like at first it's like funny and chill, and then there's gonna be like all of this drama popping up in one of my characters' lives, and one of those is an ex because I'm like I need to make this version a slow burn before I introduce, like, the, the new romance, they'll both be new mm-hmm. because there's not going to be, like, a long history in the first part. But, yeah, I keep thinking about that because I'm, I'm very hesitant about including sex in my pieces because I just, like, I mean, I'm 25, so it's not, I've had experience, but it's so, not something that I just want to be, like, I just want to, like, flaunt into my writing. I want to explore the romance part of it because again like that's what we're fascinated by watching i don't know if you guys have seen someone great um on netflix it has it's where like lizzo's truth hurts like made its like debut i think um it is awesome it's a very like female power um movie but it's got a romance base behind it and it is so good and the romance between the main character and her boyfriend and kind of the the like tragedy that goes on between them it's not it's not even about that it's not about the physical relationship it's about all the things that they went through outside of that and that is what makes you so interested in her and his outcome it's incredible yeah. well i think in writing the seat color like i'm looking where can i make them intimate what can i write that is intimate because mm-hmm. that is the part that really matters like let's especially as a reader and a viewer is you're looking for how are they intimate mm-hmm. of course going back to star wars you know, with, with Ben and Ray in Last Jedi, it was that intimacy where she's looking to him for answers because no one else is giving it to her, and she's mm-hmm. reaching out to him, and they, they find it. They both are lonely. They both feel abandoned. They both feel, you know, there's so much that connects them mm-hmm. that, you know, and then touching hands in that hut, I, I remember going, oh. like, it was yeah. so amazing. Like, it, you know, and I'm sure, like, fans were watching, that's stupid, but I'm like, <laughs> as, you know, women who are watching it are like, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you love it. It's the hand flex. It is. It is very much the hand flex, you know, and I, even people like, the kiss came out of nowhere. I'm like, did you watch all the movies? <laughs> Where were you? Like, they've been falling in love for three movies. What are you talking about? This came out of nowhere, you yeah. know? Um, but 
I feel like it's, and the thing is, as for looking for viewership or viewership, you know, there are people who prefer very steamy stories. That that's mm-hmm. the, you know, they, they like to write, they like to read. Um, and there are people who prefer very sweet stories. So the sweet readers are never going to read your steamy stuff. Mm-hmm. But steamy readers will come read sweet stuff. Sweet stuff like yeah. you can get both those audiences. And if you find that people love the, the steamy side, you're you're missing all this readership or viewership okay. over here. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like the reason why I do it too is I, and there, I've gotten to hear people like there wasn't enough sex in there for me. It's fine, you know, that's not what I'm writing. And you know, there's so much for you to consume out there that you can't get that. But um, I feel like by doing that, you're almost opening your options instead of limiting them. To be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Grace, do you have any other book questions or any questions at all for her before we close mm-hmm. out? I do not. All right, I have a, one more Star Wars question for you. Um, so based on the sequel right. trilogy and just kind of, um, how much we've talked about it and all of that, I'm curious to know if there were, cause I, for me, like, I'm most curious to know what would have happened if they had had more time to explore their relationship because they, they set it in motion and they made you feel it and they kind of made you feel it in the rise of Skywalker and then they took it away. Um, yes. and yeah. yeah, it's just, it's. And as much as I sob and I love watch, like I I enjoy watching the Rise of Skywalker for the chaos that happens between the two of them. Like that is a major pull for me between those two because I'm like God, I love watching them interact. I love watching this part of the movie. The and I think is insane. Yeah, I think they did so it's well so with great. it. I even think that like those parts were written pretty well, but they just shoved so much into that movie, and I always wonder like how how it could have turned out or how what it would have looked like if they had more time um obviously a trilogy isn't long but it's also pretty long um and i want to know like what three if you had to pick a top three things that you would change from either the sequel trilogy as a whole or the rise of skywalker itself like what are what are your things okay number one ben solo does not die like we get the lord of the rings ending there's 10 endings and we get to see I don't know, Rose is now an ambassador, and, you know, Finn has led a revolution, he's deprogramming yes. stormtroopers, you know, mm-hmm. we get the full Lord of the Rings, multiple endings. My ending is Rey and Ben on a planet, the Jedi Academy, they're running together, mm-hmm. and they've got babies crawling on them, you know, that's that's what I want. Um, so that's the top thing. Ben Solo is not dead. That's my top thing. Number two is Palpatine does not come into this equation at all in the sequel. My goodness, that was so terrible, mm-hmm. you know, and, so people and people are like, Ben Solo's dead. I'm like, well, if somehow Palpatine can return after being blown up twice, Ben Solo can be alive. Dark Maul was cut in half, running around. Boba Fett got eaten. Ben Solo can be alive. He can be exactly. in the world That can happen. Exactly. You know? So what's the third thing I would change? The third thing I would change, I think, gosh, I want to put Finn and Rose together because they have a story on last Jedi. I would change everything for every other character in the Rise of Skywalker. Finn needs to lead a Stormtrooper Rebellion. Like, why couldn't that have happened? Why couldn't his name become famous among them as someone who's... That would have been out? amazing. Imagine him talking to them, and, like, there's a big thing, and they all turn and point the weapons at the officers. Like, oh, like, I would have loved that. Yeah. Like, like an Independence Day level speech. Yeah. It would be incredible. And then Rose was so sidelined, and it makes me angry, because Kelly Tran is amazing, and Rose is amazing. Yeah. And, like, take Claude out. You know, and let Rose be on the mission with her. Yeah, well, at least she's there. Cool. You know, she's not getting a storyline. At least let her be in the story. Mm-hmm. I, 
I, I would never, the Poe being a spice runner felt like such a slap in the face. That Oscar made I, me so mad. Uh, I was so upset. Cool thing to do to someone who said, please don't ever stereotype me, you know, as yeah. a Latino man, like, don't ever do this stuff. And they did. I, I, I remember watching it going, he asked you not to do this, and you did it anyways. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I feel like there was so much potential going into that third movie that it was very hard for me the path they chose. And I, when I talked to Ryan Johnson, I said, I'd have turned Ben Solo in the first act. You know, if he wouldn't have it be Leia's death, which, okay, he'll tell me only three, but Leia should not have died. That's fine. You know, and I know Carrie yeah. Fisher passed away and, and that happened, but I thought, use body doubles. I'm right. fine with that. You know, same. But because this was supposed to have been her movie, that was the understanding was Han got, you know, seven, mm-hmm. Luke got eight, Leia gets nine. Mm-hmm. And so and we keep talking about poetry. The poetry in that, if Anakin, the great sin is Anakin being taken from his mother, the poetry is Ben Solo returning to his. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you can't have that, I would have taken Chewbacca. I would have taken him coming out of the rebel base, the crowd parting, Chewbacca standing there, and Ben being afraid, thinking he knows how furious Chewie is, and Chewie walking over to him and enfolding him in a giant cup. Like, what would that have meant to you as a fan? Yeah. Like, you know, it would have been incredible. Like, yeah. I know Danny would love yeah, that. Yeah, just as a stand-in for, for Han and Leia, Chewie's it. You know, yeah. like I would take that, and I said Chewie and Lando would 100 percent have forgiven Ben Solo. Like, yeah, they would have been the reason that he. Everybody would have figured out, like, oh, we should accept him because yeah. these two of all the people that have lived through all of the things, like, they accept him. Of course we do. Like, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have loved to see him. Like I said, turn early in the movie. Like, maybe mm-hmm. it's because Huck stages a rebellion that Hux overthrows him. You have those stupid lizards from Thrawn that held the Force. He could have used those. You know, like let's just. Those Salamari, like, yeah, there was a way that you could have done that. We have some stuff that you could have used, mm-hmm. and then he's forced to turn, he's forced to be it, but like kind of still fighting it. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. I want to see that guy talking to Poe, I want to see that guy talking to Finn. I want yeah. that interaction, I want that, you know, and Ray trying to get through to him. I want to see all that, yeah, you know, and him helping because he's mad at Hux. Like, I'm, I'm willing to see that, you know, and then him remembering and turning and talking to Lando. And, and I think they took so much stuff out that really, if you're going to kill him, give us the greeting. Like, I saw someone went and did Return of the Jedi, and they took everything that Luke did for Vader, like carrying him off, um, taking him back, having the funeral pyre. They took all of it out. And they said, now here's how the movie would have looked without Luke grieving. Mm-hmm. And it was so flat. Right. Like, it was just so, like, it didn't mean anything. Yeah. And I thought, and that's what they did with Rise of Skywalker. Rey does not mourn Ben. Yeah. We and do she not just... see her holding his sweater or, you know, anything that would indicate that she's devastated by this loss. Her soulmate that she was in love with, there should have been some tears, you know, mm-hmm. and she didn't grieve him. I'm like, well, okay, he's going to be a force ghost. And I'm sitting there figure thinking, she's going to say, be with me. And he's yes. going to say, oh, yes. he's going to be there as a force ghost. He's going to always be with her. And so I'm waiting for that to happen. And that didn't happen. You know, and I'm like, so I thought, well, you don't have her grief because he's still out there, right? Like, I thought that was going to be the explanation, but it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why Why are you not, why didn't she grieve? And, like, her saying, I, that's one thing I, I tweeted about was I asked Daisy, and, like, when I watched those final scenes of you guys together, it looks like your mouths are moving. Like, you're focusing on Ben's face. It looks like Ray's mouth is moving. Mm-hmm. I said, was there dialogue that got cut, you know? And she said, no. The only dialogue that was scripted was when she says Ben, when she comes back to life. And then when he falls, she was supposed to have said, no, 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 no. And I thought they took it out. I thought, why did they take it out? For whatever reason, they don't want Ray to grieve him. And I thought that would have been so painful to watch her 
be so upset that he's dying, you mm-hmm. know, like her, no, no, I can't have this, you know, fighting against it. Um, you know, the, the scene where they captured Chewie, they were supposed to have had Kylo Ren, in, you know, invade his mind and torture right. him. Mm-hmm. And that Chewie fought it off by sending him images of them together when Finn was little. Oof. Of Chewie carrying him, of Chewie taking him out to a field to play, of Chewie feeding him. And so, like, Whoa. it's so painful for Kylo Ren. Like, he can't deal with all the love. But Chewie is just sending him love. Mm-hmm. Like, I have nothing but love here for you. I have nothing but good things for you. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 like, he has to leave because it's too much. And I thought, why did that get cut? Yeah. Because then you can't, you can't be honest being like, well, Chewie loves him. Why would you kill this guy that Chewie loves, mm-hmm. you know? they took all these things i thought you should have left this in there let us grieve him let everybody grieve him if you want him to be dead so bad let the characters grieve and they didn't do that so it's it's very totally off for me mm-hmm. to have that be the way that it was yeah i feel like one of my um like greater not reasons reasons isn't the word i'm looking for but like greater pulls to watching that movie because it's Last Jedi is my favorite out of the sequel trilogy um but i watch rise of skywalker more often and I think that's just because I'm so emotionally attached to the loss of my of characters. And I think that that is very strange for me. Um, but it's also a very, like, weirdly fulfilling thing to know that, like, maybe maybe it's a sad thing that my body is just like, you need to keep watching this because you don't believe it's real. Because I get, when yeah. I was, yeah, when I was in the theater, I sobbed so hard throughout basically the last half of the movie. And I couldn't, I looked at my mom and I was like, I don't know why I can't stop crying. I'm like, I know a lot of sad things are happening or a lot of things that are even exciting are happening. And my body is just not letting me calm down. And I was like, oh, it's because it's the last movie. Like, this is closing out something. I'm going to cry right now. The listeners know that I cry a lot, so I'm sorry, Soraya, but like, our listeners do know that I'm a crier. (laughs) Uh, But I just like... Watching it and com- coming to terms with the fact that, like, this is the last thing. Like, yeah, we're going to get lots and lots more Star Wars content, and I'm going to love it and hold it near and dear to my heart, but I'm going to have to live forever with the fact that they didn't put Ben Solo's Force Ghost next to Leia and Luke at the end. Like, even if everything else had been the same, there were a lot of problems and a lot of things that I've either come to terms with or I choose to ignore when I watch it, but that, for me, is probably one of the most disappointing factors, is that he didn't show up next to them, because it could have been they show up, and then he also fades in. Perfect. Makes everybody cry. Makes her smile and probably cry a little bit, and then she says, Skywalker, end of movie. Roll credits. And I just, and I know that, like, coming up, because something that I avoid doing pretty often is, like, coming up with my fan things in my head. So then I get more sad. <laughs> um, and I try to avoid those, but... It is just so powerful, all of the things that did and did not happen, and that is, it is really incredible to me. Grace, did you have something? I just, I have a lot of feelings about Rise of Skywalker also, (laughs) and because, like, when we discussed this um, way back, like, when the movie came out and when we did just our general review, the first time I watched it, I was with all of my Rebel Legion and 501st friends because we had done a troop before the movie. So all of us were sitting in one theater all watching it together and we're all like one big family. It was like our big, our um, specific group. Like we all kind of see each other that way. And having all of them there watching the last one Mm -hmm. of the saga was like huge. 
so I was also just very emotional the entire time. I was like, I just, I couldn't feel anything. I was like, I have so much going on right now. I don't, I can't process it. And so the second time I watched it, I just went with my sister. She didn't go with me the first time. She went with me the second time. And the second time when I watched it, I just watched her watch it basically. And she had the same sort of feelings toward Raylo that you guys have. Like she knew immediately from episode seven that like they would have been a thing. Whereas I didn't really pick up on it until The Last Jedi because I'm not great at picking up like, unless they make it extremely obvious. Sometimes it's like not something I pick up on right away. Not even just with Star Wars, but in general. But when that kiss scene happens and then he dies, I wasn't watching the screen. I was just watching her reaction. She was just like, what? Like, how how could they have done that? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they were supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. And like, huh. There's just, I still am like, I'm not mad about it necessarily. I'm just like, I wish, you know? Yeah, it's very... It's crazy how heart-wrenching something like that can be. It's all fake. It's fake right. and it's in space and it means so much to all of us. Um, yes. Okay, so Soraya, I won't hold you much longer. Um, I have one last question for you and it's do you have any advice or anything for any writers out there? Um, or like what is, what's next for you? If it's a book, if it's not a book? Um, yeah, it's always another book. <laughs> um, I've got one I've worked on now that's coming out this December. It's called The Paid Bridesmaid. It's about a girl who is paid to be a professional bridesmaid. That's fun. And having a, a hero being the best man at a company that's about to go public, and he's worried about corporate espionage. So here's this woman with no social media who he's never heard of before. He's a little suspicious. So oh, I love that. Uh, that was a really fun one to write. So I'm excited for that. Um, but my advice for writers, I think the most important thing you can do is consume the content that you want to write. So if it's like if you want to be a, a novelist, read, 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 read. If you want to be a TV writer, read scripts and watch the shows, like consume that content and see how are the acts structured, how is story done, how, you know, these things are all really important. And if you get the chance, like join a professional group, you know, whatever, whatever field you want to get into, like I am Romance Writers of America, this organization I've been a part of for a long time. And it's just so helpful to have people who at every level of your career, there's someone there or above you who can help you and tell you and kind of guide you in the right direction. And I think finding other people who are at the same point that you're at, like you're just starting out, finding other people who are just starting out and finding, you know, exchanging critiques and kind of seeing what works and what doesn't. Uh, Cause it's hard to know if you're any, I don't want to say good, but people, the thing that I've learned, especially with this kind of indie publishing revolution is, you know, stuff that I think is total garbage, you know, has gotten, you know, hundreds of thousands of sales. It appeals to other people, you know, that just cause I don't like something, doesn't mean someone else is, it's not going to be their favorite book, you know, and I think we get so caught up in what's good, but I have bought some time and look at like Pride and Prejudice's reviews on Amazon. Like there's so many one-star reviews about how terrible this book is. You know, it, you're never going to write something that appeals to everyone. And I think when you find your voice, you're going to have people who really love you mm-hmm. and people who hate you a lot. And that's actually really good. You don't want to be in this lukewarm space where it's like, yeah, yeah, this was okay. You know, it's fine. You didn't do your job then for that reader, you know, like right. you didn't connect with you. You're looking for those people who connect what you are into, what you like, what you want to share with the world. And you will find those people. And that's, like I said, that's what's great about being able to publish books yourself too, is that 
you have that chance. You have a chance to find that group of people who are waiting for what you write, right. you know, and especially with so much streaming services and everything today too, that when it comes to providing content for writing shows or movies, there's so many outlets, you know, you now have that chance that you didn't have before, which I think is fantastic. So kind of this democratization of, of you know, consuming art that we get to look for what we like. And so, yeah, yeah that's my advice. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, your book is really well balanced between romance and Star Wars references, friendship, and uh, even like mental roadblocks, um, and humor. And I laugh almost every time I turn a page. Um, it's a really, really good read. Uh, for those of you listening, Seat Filler comes out April 27th, so very soon in relation to when this episode is going to come out. Thank you, Soraya, so much for being here with Castle Run Weekly. Thank you, Grace, for co-hosting with me and being a part of this. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining Kessel Run Weekly. Don't forget to follow us at Kessel Run Weekly on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Join in on our streams at twitch.tv slash at Dan. Um, I think that's Wookie with two E's. Grace, you yes. want to tell people where they can find you? I am the head moderator and administrator over at Kessel Run Weekly's Discord server, as well as twitch.tv slash Dan. Um, and you can find me at Amidala underscore 716 on Twitter. Wonderful. Soraya, do you have social media you'd like to drop for people? I do. You can find me on Twitter at, at Soraya Wilson. And you might get some fun Daisy Ridley and Ryan Johnson content if you want to follow me there. And uh, on Instagram, I'm at Soraya Wilson 411. Awesome. Well, like I said, thank you both. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And may the force be with you. Always. Always.